What's up, Buffalo Fanatics? Josh Allen here. Just wanted to say uh, go Bills. Good evening, Bills Mafias. We are back here on the BF Writers Club right here on Buffalo Fanatics. We had a little three-week hiatus, a little break, as it is the dead season of the NFL. But we are back and ready to go. And we're going to get you through the summer here as we get ready for training camp and then this season. So this is Kevin Syracuse, your host right here on the BF Writers Club. Happy to be back on the saddle here. And, you know, I need to start off by talking about another Buffalo team. And then we'll transition into the Bills here because we are the champions here in Buffalo. How good does that feel to say? As the Buffalo Bandits were crowned champions last night how many bandits fans do we have in here because i was at the game and man that was insane to finally be able to say that i saw a championship won right before my very eyes just an incredible feeling and <laughs> i'm already reading the chat it i am not from q so i'm from fredonia so i drove from fredonia to the game and actually a little side note as i was getting ready to leave i saw that the bills re-signed at oliver and I was like, oh, I really don't have time to think about this right now because I'm going to be late for the game. So I drove from Fredonia to Buffalo, and we're going to talk about Ed Oliver tonight. I guess that's a good segue into the Ed Oliver talk. So Zach will be coming on to talk about that with us. And then afterwards, we're going to rank the top 16 head coaches. So we have a jam-packed show for you tonight. But yeah, in terms of the bandits here, I went to the game, and again, I just had chills down my spine as I was watching the clock tick zero because I was like, wait a sec, a Buffalo sports team finally did something right. A Buffalo sports team finally won. We finally have bragging rights. We can finally say that we are the champions. And I will admit, I'm not the biggest Bandits fan. I kind of jumped on the wagon last year because I was going through withdrawal after 13 seconds. And then the Sabres finished on a really high note. And then I was like, well, what am I going to do now? So I started going to the Bandits games. And they were a blast. And I was like, why haven't I done this before? Like, I was always a fan. I followed him on social media. And it was just so much fun. So then this year, I was rising the ladder in terms of my fandom and following along, going to games. And to be able to say that we finally did it, that was just such an amazing feeling. And I kept thinking about what it would feel like if the Bills finally win the Super Bowl. Because the Bills were there. Kyrie Elam was there, Dalton Kincaid again, Sean McDermott was there, and then the Sabres were there too, Don Granado, Kevin Adams, Alex Tuck, Kyle Ogposo, and I, I'm thinking, man, if this was game seven of the Stanley Cup or the Super Bowl, obviously we wouldn't be in Buffalo for the Super Bowl, but if this was a Super Bowl and we're watching the Bills win, how would I feel? Because that was one of the main feelings that I had was we finally did it, because I, I consider myself part of the bandits family now and i was thinking i'm really not that invested as i am for the bills so to put it in a money perspective here i went to about four or five games this year probably spent four or five hundred dollars between the tickets of parking the gas of food so i'm thinking wait a sec if this is a bills where someone like me i try to go to all the home games i'm dumping like thousands of dollars into this team that will be the ultimate satisfaction where, yeah, of course it feels great for the bandits, but if you can say that we finally did it all that time and effort, I mean, look at this, this is June 4th and we're hosting a bill show right now talking about the season that is three months away for something that it, like nothing is even happening in the NFL world right now. This is 
literally the offseason. But we're doing it because we love it and we want to see this team win a Super Bowl. So that is the time and the effort that we're talking about. Then the money is a whole different aspect of it. So if if I'm thinking that way for the bandits, I'm like, holy cow, if this is the Bills, I really don't know how I'm going to feel and how I'm going to react because it just felt like such a relief. A weight was lifted off my shoulders that I finally saw a championship one in Buffalo. And again, I don't host any podcasts for the Bills. I don't spend that much money. It was a good amount, you know. I'm not that invested as I am for the Bills of the Sabres. So when we can finally just have that moment, I cannot wait. And I, I just want all of us to experience it. So before we get Zach on here to talk about Ed Oliver, I want to see what you guys had to say about the Bandits because how many Bandits fans do we have in here? Chris716 says Bandits are the champs. And while I'm going through these comments, another thing that I want to say is it was a packed house last night. 19,000 fans for a lacrosse game. And then on top of it, 15,000 showed up for the Bandit Star Wars game. So you had 35,000 people downtown for two sports leagues that aren't even in the top two in the city. I mean, what, what else can you say? Just an amazing experience last night to be a part of it. And man, I just want more of it. Richard says, go Bandits. Got someone talking about Jimmy Buckets in here. Yeah, if you guys can keep me updated on that game. Um, I was so busy today. I didn't even realize that it was game two. So I'm pulling for the Nuggets here. I'm a Knicks fan. I do not want the Heat to win. I didn't want anyone in the East to win for that matter. But yeah, uh, let's see. I don't see anything else about the Bandits. Zach, give me a thumbs up when you're ready. All right, so welcome to have uh, Zach Vaughn back on the show. Zach, how are you doing? And I know you're not too big of a Bandits fan, but did you happen to see that? I'm sure you saw it on your feed on, on Twitter last night with the Bandits winning and the Bisons and just that feeling that the city had for once last night. Yeah, I did see it on the on the interwebs that Buffalo has won a sports championship, which Good for them. Congratulations. Definitely deserved it, I believe, then, in my not-so-expert lacrosse opinion in that I watched <laughs> none of the game and only saw that they won it. But, yeah, I mean, it is a big deal because I think they said it was, like, the first time since 08 that Buffalo's won that title. Yeah, 2008 was their last one. And really, obviously, it counts. That was their fifth title in franchise history, but I really wasn't a part of it because I was a little kid back then. I had never been to a game. I didn't even know what the bandits were. So as much as I see it in the rafters and say, oh, that's pretty cool to actually be there and be a part of it and say, I was a part of this run. I spent my hard earned cash on this team. I followed them throughout the season. I went to these games. I traveled from Fredonia. That's what makes it so satisfying. And again, with the bills, you're going to double or triple that because there's just so much more time and effort and money. And I know you can definitely talk about this when not if, but when the bills finally win one, that will be a feeling that we will never be able to replicate. I still remember when the bills ended the drought, I jumped up so high in my living room that first of all, my Christmas tree almost came down. Second of all, I felt like I was never coming down. Like I felt like gravity did, didn't even exist. And my head was going to go through the ceiling. It was just, an amazing feeling. 
So when the Bills finally win the Super Bowl, man, I won't even be able to put it into words. Yeah, that that will be a day that nobody will be able to forget. And and Stanley Cup too. I mean, seeing that building, that's the last thing I'll say before we get into Ed Oliver. The building was packed last night. I I tweeted that that was probably the loudest I had ever heard it. And someone commented and said, well, were you around for the Drury and Briere days? And I was, but I was a little kid, so I didn't really go to those games. I started going to games probably, well, I I did, but I wasn't going to playoff games. You know, my parents would take me to a couple games here and there. But when that building was really rocking, I didn't go to the Eastern Conference Finals or anything like that. So probably the most comparable event that I could say in that building was I won playoff tickets in fifth grade, I won a coloring contest to the Sabres Bruins playoff game, and that was insane right there. And then after that, there hasn't been much to cheer about in that building. So I think last night was probably the most electric that I have experienced in that arena. I'll take your word for it because, again, much like lacrosse, hockey's not my strong suit. <laughs> Well, let's talk about something that is your strong suit. And Ed Oliver gets an extension. Like I said, I was on my way to the game. I looked down at my phone, not expecting to see any Bills related news. If anything, I was like, okay, maybe some Bandits news or baseball or maybe my friend saying, where are you? You're running late. I know. And then I was like, wait, wait, whoa, Ed Oliver. And then I look at the contract details and I didn't really process it. Like I was driving and I'm trying to do the math in my head. I'm like, is that 16, 17 million a year? And again, I really haven't been able to sit with it and think about it. And that's what we're doing here tonight. But what were your initial reactions to that? Because now that I think about it, he is the 11th highest paid defensive tackle in the NFL once his contract kicks in. And we were thinking right along that maybe he's not even worth that $10.8 million contract on his fifth year this year. So now you're going to increase that by another 7 million. How do we feel about this? Basically the same as I felt when I saw the news yesterday. Just, eh, like, we'll see what happens. Honestly, I don't, I don't have any strong opinions one way or the other on this. It was mostly just surprised that this was the time that they extended him. Surprised that he wasn't the player that you would have let play out the year and see whether or not you wanted to keep him. But maybe they just got concerned because they did it that way with Tremaine Edmonds last year, let him play out the fifth year. Then he got priced out of Buffalo. Maybe they just wanted to lock up a player they like. I don't know. Obviously he will need to step up to earn that money, but also again, just remember average annual value doesn't necessarily equal the cap hit that he's going to have this year. This year, the reason you do an extension like that for a player playing on his fifth year option is to lessen the cap hit this year. And then the real money kicks in the next couple years. And we all know that Brandon Bean usually inserts an out somewhere in these extensions. So more likely than not, Ed Oliver, if he's not, if he doesn't pan out, he won't be here for four years. He won't be stuck here for four years. Well, I want to pull up a comment that I just saw from James. He says, great deal for Ed, not so much for the organization. And I would agree. And I think a lot of people share those same sentiments because Ed Oliver was talking all offseason about show me the money. 
show me the money. He kept posting it on his, on his Instagram story. I think it was Jeffrey Simmons. He got that new contract. And then right after that, Ed Oliver was licking his chops. And I remember we sat on this show and other people, Twitter spaces, different articles, what have you. But a lot of us were saying that Ed Oliver is not worth that kind of money. And if he wants to really see the money, then it can be elsewhere because the Bills just didn't have the cap space. So I, I'm really surprised that they gave him as much as they did. But I'm wondering if they did it to create more cap space for this year. Like maybe they worked in some contract details where they say, okay, I know it's an average annual value of 17 million, but we had the third fewest amount of cap space available prior to this deal. So that just freed up, let's just say three or 4 million. And I know you're probably thinking, oh, does that mean we can get DeAndre Hopkins? I don't know, maybe. Dalvin Cook, who knows? But I think that there was a reason why they did this. And I agree, going back to the Tremaine Edmonds aspect, they want to draft, develop, and re-sign, and they did not do that with Edmonds. But again, it's just a head-scratcher. I keep coming back to that $17 million average annual value, and it's like, okay, you didn't want to give that to Edmonds, but you just turned around and gave it to Oliver, who probably wasn't worth it just because he's been so inconsistent. Yeah, and that's a, that's a fair criticism. Like I said, I mean, I understand why a lot of people are so negative about the deal. Again, I'm not going to go as far as saying that Bean is a bonehead and that he should be fired for making that deal. I'm just going to say, well, he made the deal. Ed Oliver is now getting his money. Now he just needs to go show he deserved it. Just go out on the field. It'll help, though, that now he'll have a consistent one-tech presence opposite him on the field. Because last year it was Daquan Jones and Daquan Jones. That was really the only one-tech they had. This year you got Puna Ford coming in, so you have a second-quality one tech opposite him who can take up the double teams. So Ed Oliver doesn't have to be put in those unfavorable positions. And you're going to say what? Oh yeah. And the other thing too, is another reason why you usually do these extensions sooner rather than later. And this falls in line with Brandon beans. MO is getting ahead of the market. Quinn and Williams is still looking for his big boy deal. He'll get that soon enough. Chris Jones his current deal is going to expire soon. He's going to get a big contract. And while Ed Oliver is not in the same class, nowhere close, that market, if they had waited for those two deals, it still would have impacted the amount of money that Ed Oliver would have gotten. And maybe it would have made it worse for the Bills. And you know how time and time again, we see the extensions, then a couple months later, you see the other couple extensions from other teams, and then we look at it and say, oh, that's not bad. Could think of it the same way for here, except, obviously, again, the production issues in terms of Ed Oliver may make it still seem like a bad deal for now. And I agree. I, I think this can turn out to be a really good deal in the end, but the big question is, can he do it consistently? Because I, I've been seeing people talk about whether it's on Twitter or even in our chat right now, that he's been battling injuries. And like you said, he hasn't had that consistent one tech. But if you're drafted number nine overall and you're given $68 million, I don't care if you have different factors. You better be able to show up and show out no matter what adversity you're dealing with. Because if you're going to have that status, you have to make plays. 
you can't make excuses and say, well, I, I didn't have a one tech, so, you know, my stats aren't as good this year. Well, if you're drafted number nine overall, you better wreak havoc in some capacity. And a lot of these games, he seems to show up on Thanksgiving or the bigger games. And that's another thing that we've been saying. Like, if he can play like he does on Thanksgiving or like he does against Dallas every single week, then that would definitely warrant top dollar money. But the fact that he just goes silent and you're sometimes wondering if he's even on the field dressed on a Sunday, I think that's what's leaving, I don't want to say a bad taste in a lot of fans' mouth, but again, I think the best word is just you're very surprised with this deal. Yeah, exactly. People are just surprised because it was Ed Oliver getting the deal. If it was Daquan Jones who got an extension, I think people would have been applauding it because he's been a very good defensive tackle and he certainly earned one. And I'm sure he'll get one sooner rather than later. But going back to what you said about Ed Oliver showing up on Thanksgiving and showing up on some of the biggest games, I'm all I really want him to do is show up in the big games. If Yes, it would be nice if he could show up every game, but at the very least, if he could show up in the big games of the season, regular and postseason, then he'll be working then he'll work his way towards earning that bag. And also again, someone said in the comments, 17 mil a year for defensive tackle isn't elite player money. It's good player money. And Ed Oliver may not have the sacks or a ton of numbers, but he is a good player. Like last year, he had 14 quarterback hits, nine TFLs, two and a half sacks in 13 games. Obviously, the sacks aren't impressive, but he made an impact early in the season and then got derailed by... I think it was injuries and also injuries to other players on his line. Yeah, Walter's point here. He says, if you're looking at the dollar amount to compare Edmonds and Oliver, then you're looking at it wrong, in my opinion. $17 million makes Edmonds the fourth highest paid linebacker. At the same price, Oliver isn't even top 10 at defensive tackle. So I would agree because the money is a little bit more richer for the defensive linemen. But at the same time, $17 million per year is still a lot of money when you're already kind of strapped against a cap. So even though it's not as much or, or um, it's weighted a little bit differently than different positions, that's still a good amount of money for a guy who's been inconsistent. Now, speaking of those inconsistencies and the stats, Ed Oliver has never finished a season above five sacks 43 tackles, and a 71 PFF grade. Those are his career highs. His rookie year, he had five sacks. I believe it was his rookie year as well. He had those 43 tackles. And then one year, I believe 20, I, I have to double check, but he had that 70.9 PFF grade. Again, if you're drafted number nine overall, those numbers don't shine at all. Yeah, but... Let me, let me discuss this in the context of another player who just got a big extension this offseason, Deron Payne. Deron Payne signed a four-year, $90 million extension with Washington. Average annual salary, 22.5 mil. You know what he did in his first four years? Five sacks, two sacks, three sacks, four and a half sacks. And he only had his most 
TFLs in his first four years was seven in 2020. Ed Oliver had 10 in 2021. Quarterback hits, he, he topped out at 15 in his first four years. Ed Oliver topped out the last two years in 14. But then, obviously, the big difference is that this past year is his fifth year. He had 11 and a half sacks, 18 TFLs, 20 quarterback hits, and made a Pro Bowl. But again, that's one of those questions about whether or not that was just a one-year wonder and he got his big bag and then could bust out now. But Now, I did find those PFF grades. So it was 2021 that he set the career high with a 70.9. His rookie year in 2019 was a 65.6. And then in 2020 was a career low 48.0. And then this past season, 2022, 68.5. So again, I mean, nothing that really shines out. The one that really does stick out is at 48 where he dipped down a lot. But I know maybe we don't look at PFF grades the way we should, or, or maybe I guess what I'm trying to say is people don't look at them as like the ultimate test, you know? Cause I remember who was it? We were talking about one time that we were like, well, you know, that's really not the best test because PFF grades are just, Oh, I think it was Puna Ford. When I wrote that article about Puna Ford, people are like, you didn't really have to include his PFF grades. Like, or, you know, and I was like, well, I'm just putting them there for context. Like, if you guys want to look, if you're curious, here are the stats. I'm not saying anything about it, but here are the facts if you want to read them. But by tweeting that, a lot of people were like, nah, dude, like, PFF grades really don't matter. So, again, take it for what you will, but Ed Oliver is really not graded out too well. PFF grades are, I I don't even really get why people use them if, but as for somebody said in the comments, though, that Ed Oliver's not living up to his draft status. Yeah. Okay. I can agree with that. He's not living up to the ninth overall pick. But also, that doesn't mean he's a bad player. You can be a good player, but if you're drafted to, you're drafted top 10, you're expected to be elite or very good. And then that kind of skews some of the expectations. And it didn't help that when Ed Oliver came out, he was being propagated as the next Aaron Donald, which is an unfair comparison for any defensive player. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's definitely tough when you're compared to one of, if not the best defensive tackle of all time. That's so, why I said I'll just, just let him go out on the field and show us that we're wrong about him. Now, another thing that I want to point out here is he is the only defensive tackle that is under contract past this season, correct? Right now. But that doesn't mean that they won't make other moves. Yeah. And when they did sign Puna Ford, that was our last episode a few weeks ago. I immediately felt better about the state of the defensive line because I was like, he becomes a candidate to get re-signed as a one tech with Daquan Jones getting a little bit older, maybe a Puna Ford in the pipeline and they can resign him. So out of all the guys that they could have resigned, I'm still just surprised that it was at Oliver. I'm not that surprised because again, you want to draft, develop and resign. 
and they drafted him for a reason and they don't want to give up on him. But I guess I'm just surprised at the contract itself. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I was surprised too. Especially especially just because with everything that happened this offseason, how they were tied up against the cap. But again, I think once the de- contract details come out, people will start feeling a bit better about it. Now, do you think that they did this for a certain reason? Do you think that there's another, maybe, let's just say, defensive end or... I don't want to say wide receiver because <laughs> I don't want to get us all excited about DeAndre Hopkins. But do you think that they did this as motivation to clear up cap space for a specific reason? Or do you think they just did this solely for Ed Oliver and they said, well, we are kind of tight against the cap. Let's give ourselves a little bit of leeway here. We'll make Ed happy. We can help ourselves out. So do you think it was just something in general? Or do you think that there was a specific motive to get this done at the time that they did? I'm assuming it was just in general because obviously they like him enough where they felt it was worth keeping him around long-term because if it was just a specifically clear up cap space for this year move, they probably would have done a shorter term contract, but I think, I think they just wanted to keep him around. And obviously again, like we mentioned before and like some have mentioned in the Chad, $17 million for a defensive tackle is middle of the pack. It's not top 10, not top five. So we can relax a little bit on that. Well, I think that will wrap up this conversation. Actually, you know, I I just saw one comment here from from Mike. I want to touch on this real quick before we get into the rest. Knox way overpaid to it's time Pakula rain being in. So looking at it from that perspective, how do we feel that the two guys that got resigned were Dawson Knox and Ed Oliver? And you have guys like Devin Singletary and Tremaine Edmonds who they let walk. And I think a lot of us could care less at single about Singletary. And I don't mean care less because we all liked him as a person, but in terms of the running back room, I think we all can kind of see how it's just like a one-year cycle. Now you have James Cook, you have Naheem Hines. So Singletary probably wasn't going to get re-signed. But going back to last offseason, when we were looking ahead and saying, hmm, here are the free agents coming up. Who are we going to get re-signed? I remember there were a lot of tweets where people were saying, I think I would do Edmonds first. Oh, and Poyer, too. Poyer was the big free agent. We can't forget about him. So it was a conversation. Edmonds, Poyer, Oliver, Dawson Knox, Devin Singletary. And now you have Jordan Poyer resigned, Ed Oliver, Tremaine Edmonds, and Devin Singletary walk. And who's the last? Oh, Knox resigned last year. Which that could be another conversation because he gave him fifty-two million dollars just to trade up to draft a tight end. I don't necessarily think that that means Knox is overpaid. Dalton Kincaid isn't necessarily just a tight end. He's a guy to help fill the void at slot receiver too. He's been lauded as having great hands. He can play in the slot. He can play on the line, brings you an extra element to your offense. So no, I don't think that drafting Dalton Kincaid means Dawson Knox is expendable or whatever people want to say. I think that's kind of a different discussion though, but like also it's not Dawson Knox's fault that 
the offensive line had issues last year and he was being used used more as a blocker than in years past. And like at the end of last season, he showed more of what we saw in year three. So I am confident that Dawson Knox can get back to where he was and is as a player, as a receiving threat this year. So I think we will cap it off right there. And we have Jenna Carlson about to make her BF Writers Club debut. Bryce will be on, and Alex is in the background now as well. So when you guys are ready, let me know. And we are going to rank the top 16 NFL head coaches because Ross Tucker came out with the list. And I believe it was within the last week, maybe two weeks. But he had Sean McDermott ranked as the 22nd best head coach. And that is just absurd. So we're going to try to sort this out and put an accurate read on where McDermott should actually be ranked and 15 other coaches as well. And before I let these guys come on, we definitely want to hear from you guys as well, because I think there are going to be a lot of discussions where we're going to be going back and forth and maybe some of us might be outnumbered. So I want to go to the chat and see what you guys think, because you might say, holy cow, how can you put so-and-so here? How can you have him there? So this is one big collective ranking here that we're going to come up with the list live on the air here. So Jenna, Bryce, and Alex, let me know when you guys are ready. All right. I got Bryce and Jenna. I don't know where Alex is, but we got these four for now. So guys, how you doing? Jenna, welcome to the BF Writers Club. Thank you. How are you two? And Bryce. <laughs> <laughs> doing pretty good. Watching the Heat game right now, watching them get absolutely obliterated. Good, good. I mean. Wait, what's the score now? It's 69-66. Uh, Denver is up. 7-29 left in third quarter. No, that's closer than he made it sound. Well, I mean, the scoreboard is making it seem better than it actually is. No. I didn't know that you were a Heat fan. Yeah, I've been a Heat fan for, I would say, pretty much a decade now. Oh, do you jump on the wagon when LeBron went there? Yeah, I was a huge LeBron fan when I was, uh, you know, really young. So I just followed him there and stuck with Heat ever since. Well, as you've heard me say before, I'm a Knicks fan. So <laughs> you guys beat us. Okay, I so. thought you were going to beat us. You know, if it got to game six, game seven, I thought you were going to win. The one thing I'll say about that is Jalen Brunson was the only guy that stepped up. Everyone else just went to sleep. So we don't need to talk about yeah. that anymore. Before we get into the NFL rankings here, the head coaching rankings, what do you guys think about the Ed Oliver news? I'm kind of neutral on it. Um, I want to wait until we get to the end of the season, see how that turns out. Bryce, how do you feel? I mean, right now, it looks like it's, you know, decent on paper. But, you know, like Jenna said, if he can get more than three and a half sacks a year or, you know, on the year and, you know, perform great, not just on Thanksgiving, I think, you know, he could really have a breakout year. But I don't see any of that happening. Yeah, I think it all just comes down to, how he performs. And I know that sounds very simple 
<laughs> that seems like a cop-out answer. Like, oh, well, if he performs well, it's a great contract. But really, in terms of Ed Oliver here, just because he's been so inconsistent, that's the best way of looking at it, where some players like Josh Allen, you know what you're getting. You know that when you gave him that big deal, he's not just going to say, oh, I got my money now, I can stop performing. Or, oh, now I got paid so I can play even better or something like that. You know Allen's going to be consistent and he's going to be Josh Allen. But with Ed Oliver, you just really don't know which Ed Oliver you're going to be getting on a snap-to-snap basis. So I think that's just the best approach where we're going to go into the season and say, okay, here's the new contract, which doesn't kick in until next year. But, you know, show me. Like you said, show me the money. We gave you the money. Now you show us the production. And if it frees up, you know, salary caps base like everyone's expecting it to, then I think that's even more of a win on top of everything else. I think uh, some of it, them extending Oliver is also that they saw that Tremaine Edmonds had left. They kind of missed out on paying him, so they didn't want to lose that Oliver just in case he did break out. And the one final question that I want to ask here and present to you guys, I asked Zach, but going back to, the five players that I mentioned between Knox, Singletary, Edmonds, Oliver, and why can't I think of the fifth? I always keep forgetting the fifth here. Poyer? Poyer? Yeah, Poyer, yeah. But out of those five players, are you surprised at who they retained on this 2023 roster? Um, I'm surprised. Not really, no. I'm more, I would say no, but I'd lean towards Poyer just because of the money that he was asking for and um, how he kind of wanted to shop out for other teams. But when he realized that no one was going to give him the money that he asked for, he kind of went back to the Bills um, and his age, too. I didn't think that they would try to resign a, let's see, turning 33. I think yeah, is I think he so. 32, 30, I think he's 32 30. or 33. Yeah, I just didn't expect him to come back. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, I was surprised to see Poyer back, and I think if I were to flip any of them, I would probably flip-flop Edmonds and Oliver, where I, I would think that Edmonds would be the one that got retained and Oliver was going to be the one that they let walk. Yeah, I agree. All right, well, 35 and a half minutes into the show, we want to get to the rankings now because, again, Ross Tucker came out with those rankings, and I'll just put this out there right now. I started this last year, and I'm going to continue it this summer where I rank every single position because what else is there to talk about? And I don't want to take topic ideas and article ideas from you guys. So I was like, okay, I'm just going to go off the beaten path a little bit, and I'm going to rank all these positions just from a general NFL perspective, not necessarily a Bills perspective, but from – an NFL landscape as a whole. So what better way to kick that off than by starting with the top 16 head coaches. So we will start without Alex. I'm not sure where he is, but he'll probably be joining us soon here. So, okay. The top 16 head coaches. Now, just so you guys are aware, we all made our own list today and we conversed a little bit, but we're going to hash it out now. Because we're going to come up with one list. And again, that's why I want to hear from you guys in the chat. Because we're going to have a lot of discussions about who could be placed where. 
And again, we're going to finish with one list. So with that, let's just start. We're going to start at number one because there's not too much suspense there. I think we all agree who can be number one. Zach, you want to do the honors? Dallas Allen. Sure. Number number one NFL coach is Josh McDaniels. No, I'm just <laughs> it's Andy Reid. Yeah, Andy Reid. Andy Reid. I don't know if you need any explanation for it, honestly. Well, I'll just say that he is an offensive mastermind, and we saw that this past year where they traded away their best wide receiver and they still won the Super Bowl. So that says it all right there. Yep, he's got the ring. Jenna, do you have any thoughts on Andy Reid? What'd you say? As a Bills fan, he scares me. (laughs) (laughs) Even with average wide receivers, he still makes Patrick Mahomes look. I mean, not to say that Patrick Mahomes isn't the greatest quarterback in the league, but even Patrick Mahomes can work with average receivers because Andy Reid schemes them out so well. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, moving on to number two now. This is where it gets interesting because my number two is different from your guys. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. You can you can laugh if you want. But the, the coach that I ranked at number two, this is hard because I was like, do you give it to Bill Belichick, who is one of, if not the – greatest coach of all time but then you look and say i think he's really out of touch he's outdated he doesn't really know how to run a football team anymore they drafted a punter and a kicker they drafted cole strange in the first round last year after he had a fourth round grade what is he doing it was tom brady all those years i don't know i don't think i can put belichick top two anymore so for me i i guess this is a recency bias but i went with nick sirianni just because i figured these are the two coaches that led their teams to the Super Bowl. And Sirianni has done great. Side note from Jamestown. Go Jamestown. Go Sirianni. But, um, yeah, I mean, I started my list with the two coaches that led their teams to the Super Bowls because I think both coaches could do the same exact thing this year. I mean, I can understand why you would pick Sirianni, too. Obviously, yeah, he was a Super Bowl runner-up this year. So it makes sense that heading into 2023, you would have him as the second-best coach in the league. Personally, I went a little bit different, and it's more so because, not just because of what they've done lately, but also just what they did the year before. I went uh, Zach Taylor, number two. because Zach Taylor, he, number two. Yeah, obviously his first two years were rough, but it's because he had Andy Dalton at the back end of his interesting career. And obviously everything changed when he got Joe Burrow. When you got Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, loaded up on offense. They made deep playoff runs each of the last two years. They are very serious contenders. And that's why I was not afraid to put him at number two. I mean, I'll give him his roses. He definitely deserves to be anywhere in the top five. I put him at two. Sirianni does make a lot of sense, though. Yeah, I had. Oh, Zach what do you Taylor. think? Um, I had Zach Taylor at two for the same reasons that um, uh, Zach put. Um, Nick Sirianni, 
I personally am not the biggest fan of him, like his character. I think he's a little he's he acts like a little frat boy sometimes. <laughs> but um it does make sense putting him at two because he was just in the Super Bowl. But I do say that he does have a very talented roster to work with. And like we had said in our messages earlier that just because he has a talented roster doesn't mean he can't have an effect on it. But I would personally push him down the list a little bit because of that. See, and that's what makes it tough too, because you have to think about the rosters that these coaches are working with, where you take another coach, like let's just put, I don't know, first coach off the top of my head, John Harbaugh, flip him and Sirianni. Do you get the same results, you know, or someone at the bottom of the barrel where let's just take Matt Eberflus and give him a really good quarterback. Can he be a really good coach? Now, maybe that's not the best example because we have a small sample size with Eberflus, but you get the point where it's just kind of hard based on the rosters that these guys are working with and the quarterbacks too. Yeah, and also the um, the Eagles had a really easy schedule last year. They were up at, what, 11 wins for a majority of the – or 11-0 and 0 for a majority of the season, um, I believe. Don't quote me on that. But they, and they were also traversing through a very easy conference, too. So, Bryce, who do you have at number two? At number two, I have uh, Kyle Shanahan. I don't really? make him as a surprise, but, you know, the way that that team performed last year, going from, you know, Trey Lance to Jimmy Garoppolo to Brock Purdy and how well Purdy and the Niners performed uh, throughout the season, I thought, you know, Shannon deserved a lot of credit for. And then, you know, going to Josh Johnson in the playoffs, obviously they lost, but, you know, Shannon still looked really good going through five or six different quarterbacks last year. I was not expecting to hear his name that early, but I mean, I understand where you're coming from. Okay. So I want to hear from you guys in the chat. What, what do you guys think? I have Sirianni number two, Bryce has Kyle Shanahan and then Jenna and Zach each say Zach Taylor. looks like we have a Bengals fan in here, ironically enough. So, I mean, right now, Alex isn't in here to try to balance this out. So right now, I guess we'd have to give it to Zach Taylor. But again, I want to hear from you guys before we just crown Zach Taylor as the second best head coach heading into the 2023 season. Now, while we're waiting to hear from people in the chat. Okay, Tommy says Zach Taylor is his number two as well. Hey, now, while, while we wait to hear on, on more responses here. These are some guys that I had coming up, so I'm just going to put them out there right now. Mike Tomlin, Pete Carroll, John Harbaugh. Where do we have them ranked? We might as well just get into it right now because could someone like Mike Tomlin, who's never had a losing season, no matter his quarterback, no matter his running back, offensive line, defense, whatever, he finds a way to get it done. And that doesn't mean that they're Super Bowl contenders every year, but they at least can have a winning record and make the playoffs just about every season. So should Tomlin be number two? I had Tomlin at number three because I think he's Mr. Consistency. Yeah, Mike Tomlin Tomlin six. I also had Mike Tomlin at six. Obviously, like you said, he's never had a losing season. His teams are always in, in the mix or in the playoffs. 
and he will he is one of the best coaches we've seen since 2000 however the team right now just isn't as good as some of his past teams Kenny Pickett is nowhere close to as good as prime Ben Roethlisberger and that's why that's the reason why I put him a little lower but still in the top 10 Well, I have Tomlin at three. So, I mean, I'll just say two, three, and four right now. I had, obviously, Andy Reid, number one, Sirianni, two, Tomlin, three, and then Pete Carroll, four. Is Pete Carroll someone who could be number two? I feel like that's a little (laughs) bit too high for him, but considering the fact that he built up all those teams with the Legion of Boom, and then somehow he got Geno Smith to be insanely good this year maybe i shouldn't be that high with the way i say it but the fact that he took his team to the playoffs last year i think he's definitely a top five head coach right and you look at his super bowl runs as well yeah i had it on my list i had him at the tail end of 10 like the tail end of the last five of the top 10 but um there is an argument to have him in the top five based on how he's uh how his teams have been in the past 10 years. What do you guys think? Yeah, I don't have him in my top 10. Just going off recency really? bias, how he, yeah, how he, you know, performed with Russell Wilson during the back end of his tenure there. I, you know, he, he made Geno Smith look great and all that, but, you know, it's pretty much what have you done for me recently? You haven't won a Super Bowl your teams with Russell Wilson haven't looked good since, you know, they made the Super Bowls early on. So to me, he's, you know, back end, you know, closer to 16. Zach, where do you have him? I put him, I put him near the tail end of the top 10 because again, like Pete Carroll's been around a long time. He's had success in this league. Obviously, the end of Russell Wilson's tenure was was bad. messy to you. Yeah, it was bad. But also, like Bryce had already said it, but I want to use this as spin this around. He made Geno Smith relevant. He gave Geno Smith the opportunity to be a starting QB. And in what was supposed to be a tank year, because they got all those draft picks from Denver for Russell Wilson. They were supposed to be tanking. They were supposed to be bad. They went and made the playoffs and still ended up with a top 10 pick courtesy of Denver. So, and they, they still have their great playmakers in DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, Kenny Walker has a bright future. They drafted Zach Charbonnet, who could be a good RB two for them. I mean, I'm not, Again, I won't be the guy making the case P. Carroll should be top five, but I think top 10, somewhere between like seven and 10 would be warranted. I guess I'm the one that's going to make him a top five head coach then. I just think that he has a resume and just the fact that, like you said, not only did he take Seattle to the playoffs last year, he said that Geno Smith was going to be the starter when everyone was doubting them saying, you're really going into the season with Geno Smith and Drew Locke as your quarterbacks. Pete Carroll said, hell yeah, I am. And then he still took them to the playoffs. So 
I think he is a top five head coach. And I think that he's someone who hasn't let the game slip away from him. Someone like Bill Belichick, as great as he used to be and probably still is, you can tell that he is more of that old-fashioned head coach and he's not up with the times. But I think Pete Carroll has done a good job of maintaining his age and staying relevant to what's going on in today's landscape. Yeah, I think we should just go ahead and give our number threes right now because I see a couple of people in the chats are getting, I think, maybe getting a little confused at where we're going with our discussion. Because <laughs> we, well, we, we haven't put Pete Carroll at number three. We haven't put him at number three. Just I mean, we, we really haven't put anyone at number two. But based on our discussions, I mean, is it Zach Taylor? Because I think me and Price are outnumbered here. You guys both like Zach Taylor at number two? Yes. For me personally, I would put Zach All right. Well, we'll go with that for now. I mean, I guess we could always go back and make changes if we want. Do we know where Alex is? And Zach, do you know what his list was? He's probably still getting rated right now. <laughs> getting what? Getting rated right now. What am I missing here? He's got his army uh, duties right now. All right. Oh, so, okay. You know, all right. I found his list in our chat. So he had Andy Reid number one and Kyle Shanahan number two. Oh, okay. So now we do have a tie. So it's either Shanahan or Zach Taylor at number two. Okay. Am I am I the the breaking force here? Am I the tiebreaker? You are the show chat. <laughs> well, now I'm kind of rethinking my position because Kyle Shanahan doesn't have any um, stability at quarterback. Yet he still made it far. Yeah, you see what I'm talking about. I'm. <laughs> I'm, I'm picking up what you're putting down. Yeah, <laughs> might have rated him a little too low. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, still, though, Kyle Shanahan has not won anything. He's taken his team to the Super Bowl, but they haven't won. Yeah. So I know we're doing it based on right oh, now. Yeah, Zach Taylor, too. They, they haven't won. And I know we're trying to do it based on right now. If you're going to pick a head coach, who would you want to lead your squad? But sometimes for tiebreakers, you have to think, well, what have they done in the past? And what's the overall landscape here? Because sometimes it might be hard to just say, oh, let's just take this guy for right now because you got to look at the rosters and someone like Pete Carroll. It makes it hard because or better yet, Bill Belichick, where you say Belichick really isn't that good for 2023. But if it was 2017, he'd probably be number one. So does that carry a little bit more weight where you say, well, maybe we should be a little bit more respectful of Bill Belichick and not drop him out of the top 10? Because this is still Bill Belichick. But we're talking about 2023 here. And there's new coaches that are in the mix too. So we have to respect their recent successes as well. Exactly. Yeah, if we're going off the last decade or since – uh, 2000 then, sure, we'll put Belichick higher, but it's right now. All right, so am I the one that's deciding between Kyle Shanahan and Zach Taylor for number two? I think so. I Looks see like people are still talking about Ed Oliver in the chat. <laughs> hey, I'm glad we got that conversation going. <laughs> so, okay, 
man, you're putting me on the spot. Let me, let me look because let me look at their records because I did have that written down here. Sirianni's record is 23 and 11. I know we're not going with him right now. Shanahan has a record of 52 and 46, a 531 winning percentage. Zach Taylor is 28, 36 and one for a 438 winning percentage. But again, it's what have you done for me lately? What are we doing right now? And I know Zach Taylor is hot. Say it again. Those first two years really uh, cloud up his record. Yeah. We can do a poll. Go. I can't go Zach Taylor just yet. I think I got to give it to Shanahan here. Okay. All right. So be it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that means number three. I like Mike Tomlin here. But then again, does that mean Sirianni should slip down? So I guess all cards are on the table right now. Who do we like for number three? Hmm. At three, I, I have Zach Taylor. <laughs> yeah, did we bump Zach Taylor down now? Well, I, think I, I still don't think he's top five. I would still give this to Sirianni, Tomlin, Pete Carroll, John Harbaugh. We can't forget about him either. I think it'll be interesting based on what everyone else has. I'll go ahead and say what Alex had. Alex had Sean McDermott, number three. I can't go that high for McDermott. I love McDermott, but he's not a top three head coach right now. Yeah, neither can I. I would put Mike Tomlin. I think you can have how consistent he's been and the teams that he's led have not been as talented um, in recent years. Yet he's always had a record over 500. Yeah, but again, the other question is, oh, what has he done for us lately? This year, the Gotten Steelers weren't the teams into the playoffs, except for last year. Yeah, that is true. I mean, they did get into the playoffs in Big Ben's swan song which was arguably an atrocious year for them they still found a way to get a winning record and sneak in there but also last year was another year where somehow they got a winning record despite relatively subpar quarterback play (laughs) but zach who who do you like here at number three because we're talking about what we've what has been done for us lately I'm going to say Sean McDermott as well. Number McDermott. three. Yeah. Playoffs. Three consecutive AFC East champions. What has he done for us titles. lately? Three Four consecutive AFC East titles. Are we I happy with AFC East titles? Six years. Four consecutive. You got to make it into the playoffs in order to try to get to the Super Bowl. I mean, Zach Taylor's taking his team to the AFC Championship twice and the Super Bowl. People are just hating on McDermott mostly because for some reason they just can't live with consistent success. It's not hate. I mean, it's just being truthful that he hasn't let his team pass the AFC championship. And 13 seconds is a huge, huge 
debacle that is going negatively against McDermott. Was that on McDermott or Frazier, though? Yeah, was that on McDermott? I mean, Frazier, Frazier, was it on Tyler Bass? Was it on Heath Farwell? But at the end of the day, McDermott's a head coach leading the squad, and you got to take responsibility as a head coach. That's That's his team. So whether it was Heath Farwell's fault or not or Tyler Bass, it starts with McDermott making sure that the communication factor is there, and it was not there in the biggest moment of the year. But you're penalizing him for a 2023 ranking based on two or three seasons ago. I'm doing it based on everything where, yeah, I think he's a great head coach, but not only 13 seconds. I mean, this is four straight years of playoff losses. And if you're saying, what have you done for me lately? Nothing. AFC's titles. Okay, cool. But there have been other coaches who have gotten farther than that round. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with Kevin. And if you just said that Zach Taylor is number two, how all of a sudden does he slip now and McDermott jumps up? This was my initial ranking. This was before we knocked Zach Taylor down. So maybe we could just slide Zach Taylor in, but. So do you guys want Zach Taylor here now? After we had that Mike Tomlin discussion, I think I would put Zach Taylor at three. You'd put Taylor where? At three. Hmm. What about Sirianni? Is there anyone in favor of putting Nick Sirianni at three? Um, I think I still have to go with Taylor at three. I would put Sirianni, Sirianni at four, given that Taylor has been to the AFC Championship game twice in the past two years okay um, so Sirianni so far all right so who's your vote for number three zach we'll just go around the horn so since shanahan jumped all the way up to number two and zach taylor's still out still there to be ranked i'm gonna go ahead and vote zach taylor okay bryce I've had Taylor at three this whole time. I'm sticking with it. Jenna, what do you want here? You say Tomlin or Taylor? Zach Taylor. Okay. I'll go with that. I mean, I'm outnumbered anyway, so I'm writing these down. So we'll have Zach Taylor at number three. So now number four. Who do we like here now? Um, I'm going either Sirianni or Tomlin. Sirianni. Yeah, I got Sirianni at four. All right, we'll go with that, Zach. Sirianni at four. Say it again. I, too, have Sirianni at four. However, we just talked about how we bumped down certain coaches, but Sean McDermott was my number three, so does that mean he's in the discussion for number four now? I mean, he can be. Um, I think you're outnumbered, so you might have to rely on the chat a little bit. Actually, I see Alex here now. Alex, are you ready? Because I think he's a McDermott guy. Yo, we got the small boxes now, but yeah, I can hear you. (laughs) Yo, how's it going, guys? What's up? Sorry, I was, yeah. Um, but so wait, what are are the current rankings? I'm just scrambling a little bit here. All right, so, so far we have Andy Reid, number one, Kyle Shanahan, number two, okay. Zach Taylor, number three, Nick Sirianni, number four. Ooh, uh, McDermott can't slide out of the top five. He can't. Really? No. No. 
See, I don't so, agree with so, that. I don't, I don't think he's a top five head coach. Here's here's my thing. Here, here's here's my comment on that. So when we did our own sixteen rankings, like individual, I had McDermott three. But I mean, when when you're talking that high up of coaches, like that upper echelon, you're kind of splitting hairs. So I'm I'm fine with him dropping to five. But I feel like anything outside of that range is a little unrealistic. I mean, you look at Sean McDermott, five total seasons as a coach, four of which he's had a winning season. The one year that he went six and ten, he had a rookie quarterback in Josh Allen and a team that was had how much dead cap that year did we have? That was like the consensus screw it year, like we're tearing everything down to build back better. I I don't really see an argument to drop McDermott out of the top five. Um so I'm, I'm going to push hard for him at five here. Well, my argument is just, you probably heard me say when you're in the background that he hasn't led his team past the AFC championship game. And we only got to the AFC championship game one time. And it's been four straight playoff losses where I guess we have Nick Sirianni at four and Mike Tomlin could be in play here at number five, just based on his success. But McDermott's probably had more recent success than Tomlin. Mm-hmm. Same with Pete Carroll. <laughs> John Harbaugh as well, but I still think with the overall body of work, I'm going with those three guys over McDermott. Really? Yeah. I mean, all all the play, people you just mentioned are really good coaches. Like, don't don't get me wrong at all. Uh, I'm a big Mike Tomlin guy. Like, I'm I'm probably going to push for him like directly after McDermott. But I I can't see a world where it's a consensus that Mike Tomlin's a better head coach than Sean McDermott right now. Exactly. I, I, I can't see that. He's great in his own right. I, I'm a huge Mike Tomlin fan, like I said, but he, Sean McDermott, I think, is above him as it stands right now. I think that McDermott has issues, and I've I've been critical of Sean McDermott over the last few years, especially in regards to playoff time. Um, obviously, the whole Kansas City thing happened. Um, but I think that if you look throughout every single coach's resume – Andy Reid included, who was my number one coach as well. There are blunders like that on almost every single player or coach's resume because that just comes with the nature of NFL. Shit happens. I'm sorry to swear, but it's like that's how it is. So James says that McDermott is not in the top ten. And when I made my rankings, I will just say this right now: might be an unpopular opinion, hot take, but I had him at eleven just because I think the pedigrees of the other coaches that I had ahead of him outweigh McDermott, where, again, I love McDermott. I think he's done a great job with Buffalo establishing the culture and getting them division champs and getting them to the playoffs every year, but the job's not done yet. And a lot of the guys that I had ranked ahead of him have either taken their team to the Super Bowl or won the Super Bowl. Okay. Uh Go ahead. And that's that's why it's understandable why why I you know I was willing to give up the fight on McDermott at number three because Zach Taylor made the Super Bowl, made AFC championship games. Sean McDermott did make an AFC championship game. Just because he didn't advance beyond there doesn't mean he doesn't belong in the conversation. Just because people are emotional about last year's playoffs. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that I, I think it should. How, how's the best way to word this? I think that when you're talking about a coach 
and who you want leading your team that obviously you want to have success in terms of like Super Bowls and deep playoff runs. But I think there's a lot more to being a good coach. And that's what this conversation is about is who you want leading your team. I mean, look at the Mar Hamlin situation. The way Zach Taylor and Sean McDermott handled that situation was perfect given the circumstances, given the information they had at the time, how they handled everything, like being able to be adaptable, being a genuine leader and somebody that people in the locker room aspire to, not every single coach is like that. Not every coach would have handled the situation they did the way that those two did. And um, that in combination with the success that they have had, because you can, there's undeniable marks of like half a decade of success here. Like this is not, uh, it's not a waste and it's not something that should be foregone because we didn't win. We won, he won one last game than Zach Taylor. You know what I mean? Uh, let's see. I'm trying to find this comment here. Actually a couple. Mark says it's been a letdown three years in a row. And yeah, that's another part of it too. Where again, we're trying to do this based on 2023. Who is the best head coach as of right now? But you have to think about what happened in the past so to get to that answer. So hold on. You're saying that we're trying to do the rankings for 2023, but you were ranking you you were we were i mean obviously we all noted previous stints and stuff previous campaigns but if it is about a 2023 ranking it should be about who we feel are the top coaches right now it shouldn't be based on what a coach like mike tomlin did 10 years ago or five years ago but at the same time how would you be able to make a list if you can't think about anything that's happened in the past? Because in that case, you could just say, oh, I'm going to put McDermott at number one because everyone's on the same playing field right now. If everything is starting at zero, if we're starting from scratch, let's just put McDermott at number one. And then you can make a case and say, put Bill Belichick at 32. Because if we're all starting at the same position, what difference does it make? So you have to like, consider different factors that go into it. I know it's probably confusing because like, well, how can you look at, you know, 13 seconds when you're talking about 2023, but it's mainly, you know, who do you want right now? But to get to that answer is based on what has happened in the past. Yeah. And there, there's a way to balance this all out. So, okay. So going back to number five, Who's everyone's choice here? Zach and Alex, you're saying McDermott? Yeah. Yeah. Especially Bryce and Jenna, where are you at with this? Um, I think it's tough, honestly. Um, let me look at who I have. So we have Andy Reid, Kyle Shanahan, Zach Taylor, and Nick Sirianni so far. Okay. I had um, uh, Nick Sirianni at five. Um, no, we just put them at four. No, I, I know what I'm talking about, like what I had in oh, my, okay. my list that I curated. Um, I had them behind Reed, Taylor, Tomlin, and Shanahan. So, and then after Sirianni, I had McDermott. So, uh, 
it's between Mike Tomlin and McDermott on my list. Um, you can I think go into I'm McDermott gonna... Hive. Mm. I'm between McDermott and Tomlin. So I... I'm going to give it to Tomlin. If that makes it any easier for you. Yeah, I think I'm going to go with Tomlin. So we have two for McDermott, two for Tomlin. Bryce, it is up to you, and we'll take calls from the chat, too. But, Bryce, who do you like for number five? So glad we have five people. (laughs) On my number five, before this show, so it's not – it hasn't changed or anything. I had Shawnee McDermott. Oh, then stick to it, Cletus. Come on. Yeah. I'm not changing anything. (laughs) I'm not – I'm not – Kevin over here. What do you think I'm, I'm? What do you think I am? You're not me for what? What are you talking about? <laughs> Changing on my list mid-show. I didn't change. Yeah, I had to change it because it's not even close to what I had. Because you guys had make make me changing it. Wait, so who do you have? I had uh, McDermott. You had McDermott at five. Yeah, McDermott. Oh. <laughs> Okay, so I guess Sean McDermott goes to number five then. Yep. Democracy. So number six, Tomlin. Mike Tomlin. Yeah, Mike Tomlin. Bryce. Yeah, it's Tomlin. All right, seven. I'm thinking Pete Carroll or John Harbaugh. I have John um, Harbaugh at eight. I'm gonna say Pete Carroll. So my my list has Ooh. John Harbaugh sitting at eight, but I had Mike Rabel at seven. What about Sean McVay? Mm. McVay is kind of a sleeper pick. He is. Like I think I think recency. Yeah, I think recency bias will kind of lead you away from Sean McVay, but yeah. I, I think we need to remember the fact that he was leading a really top-heavy Rams team that lost all of their good players pretty early on in the season. And, I mean, it's not much he could do there. You know, that that's kind of just a lost season after the Super Bowl. Um, yeah. But I, he's, he's still undeniably a great coach. Would I put him at seven? I don't, I don't know. I think it's slightly high. But I wouldn't, like, bring bolts if we put him at seven. He's been, he's been to two Super Bowls in the past, but – Six years, Sean Yeah, he he is yeah. a good coach, and he was one of my like last few decisions I had to make for my ranking. That was with Jared Goff too. That is true. The first one was with Jared Goff, and then they won one with Matt Stafford. And obviously, it helps when you got a good offensive mastermind like Sean McVay. And you get good pieces in your offense. Cooper Cup, Matt Stafford. I mean, ultimately, I didn't have him in my top 10. And it was sort of recency bias. It was because of that Super Bowl hangover. Obviously, it's not his fault that the players got injured. But heading into this season, he did take a little, a little bit of a dive down my ranking. As for number seven, I had John Harbaugh. But, funny enough, I did have Pete Carroll right behind him at number eight. So, I'm going with either one. Well, I had 
Pete Carroll right after Mike Tomlin. So in case Bryce is trying to double check me again, I'm going to say right now, Pete Carroll was right behind Mike Tomlin. So I'm going Pete Carroll at number seven. Yeah, mine is Harbaugh. Wait, so we have two Harbaugh's. And who do you say, Zach and Jenna? Um, I said Harbaugh. I need a last minute. Think. Well, I guess we're kind of outnumbered anyway, so. The, the, Harbaugh, the Harbaugh hive is, is strong here. So. Three votes for John Harbaugh? All right. Yeah, I, I guess we'll have to both Harbaugh then. Okay, so does that mean Pete Carroll at eight? Yep, that's who I had. Sure. I had Dan <laughs> Campbell at eight. Dan Campbell at eight. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Bryce, like, you're, so the main reason we're doing this show is because of that one guy. I forget his name, but that guy who put McDermott at 22. Who, who was that? Ross Tucker. Ross Tucker. You're pulling a Ross Tucker there with Dan Campbell that high. That's all you're doing. I respect it. Get your clicks up, buddy. So that's that's not true. That's not true. I would have a, I would have a few um, a few higher than Dan Campbell. Yeah, I figured I'd be uh, alone on this one, but. Well, I have Pete Carroll here at eight. Would Who we agree putting? with Carroll? Yeah, probably Carol because since we were. Yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine with Pete Carol. Carol works if you guys don't have some fun with me. So, (laughs) well, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw out a name here, Bill Belichick. We're not even mentioning his name. Listen, dog. I so I tried my hardest when I was doing my list to keep Bill Belichick out of the top ten, and I couldn't do it. However, I do have a few comments about about Billy Boy. Um. Somebody Google his record without Tom Brady, and it's like sub 500. It's atrocious. It is terrible. And, I mean, he's a defensive genius. Like, he's one of the best, if not the best, defensive minds the NFL has seen. But I will will go out on a limb and say that he's not the best head coach of all time. I'll say it. Without Tom Brady – Bill Belichick, excuse me, it's gone thirty six and thirty eight. Yeah, that that's like uh, that's some Rex Ryan numbers there. Yeah, <laughs> Brady definitely made that dynasty. I I think they were they they had a good like symbiotic relationship where they fed off each other pretty well. But I think also if you're incapable of going above 500 without the best quarterback of all time on your team, you can't be considered the top coach ever. That's He's true. the most decorated coach. Most decorated yes. coach, definitely. Yeah, the most decorated. But best? No, not at all. I would say Don Shula probably still holds that title. And he was before my time. I could agree with that. Okay, so going back to number eight, I guess <laughs> Bill Belichick is out of the picture. So Pete Carroll at eight. I'm sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. So number nine. Let me pull up my list here because I feel like we're forgetting someone. Well, we already. I had Shanahan at eight. We already took care of him. Zach Taylor. I had him at nine. Okay. 
I'm going to throw two names out there. The two Sean's Sean Payton, Sean McVay. Can I throw out a third name that's not been mentioned? Yeah, go ahead. Mike Rabel. You got it. Yeah, that's the guy. Yeah, that's um. Rabel over the other two. I had Rabel at nine. I had Rabel at seven. Um, Um, so he slid a little bit for me, but I feel comfortable slotting him in at nine. Yeah, um, Rabel, even even with Ryan Tannehill quarterback, they really haven't had the greatest passing game. Um, the defense has been above average. Um, average to above average. They got the number one seed even when Derrick Henry went, went down. So I do think he's been a consistent coach in this league. Yeah, I think it's a case where he has done a lot with a very subpar roster for the most part. And a lot of the higher ranking coaches like Zach Taylor and Sean McDermott to a certain extent as well has had a majority of success with an insanely good roster. And you, I think it's important to find a balance between criticizing a coach for having a good team versus recognizing when a coach like Mike Vrabel is able to consistently keep the Titans in contention with not great management. I mean, like you said, he has Ryan Hanhill and Malik Willis as his two quarterbacks. Like, and he's, he's, he's done a great job, like, considering what he has to work with. Yeah, that that's fair. Mike Vrabel is a good coach. My The main thing that kept me from putting him in the top 10 was just how their 2022 season ended. Because they started 7-3. and three. They were on their way. Had they finished off like they started, had they finished hot, he definitely would have been top 10 for me. But they went 0-7 the rest of the way. They fell flat. That's why he sort of fell out of the ranking as it pertains to heading in to 2023. Now, I kind of went a little, could think of it as a bit of a curveball. I put Doug Peterson at number nine. Again, based on how he came in last year, had to overhaul that wretched culture left behind by Urban Meyer. And then... After a three and seven start, got hot, went seven and two, including the playoffs, made the playoffs, gave the Chiefs a run for their money. He unlocked Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence showed that potential that he showed in college. He returned to that form. ETN became one of the best running backs last year. And he made Christian Kirk look like a wide receiver one. And got meaningful contributions from Evan Ingram and, hold on, let me double-check notes, Zay Jones? You know? I, I Obviously, I probably went a little too high on it, but, again, I was thinking more towards what have you done for me lately, and that's what he did for Jacksonville lately. See, and this is where it gets tough because – for as much as we're saying, well, how are you coming up with this list if you're looking at the past or the, the current or the future where you can look at this and say, I'm going to go back to my Sean McVay example here where he had a way worse record than Doug Peterson last year and the Jaguars are on the rise, the Rams are on the decline. But the fact that 
the Rams are in rebuild mode, that's not McVay's fault. That's just because they went all in. He did his job. They won the Super Bowl when they went all in and they tried that F them picks mentality. Now they're going through a rebuild essentially because they have to. So for me, it's still Sean McVay because of what the Rams have done as an organization and from a front office perspective. I agree. I mean, Doug Peterson is definitely in this top 16, but I can't put him ahead of McVay. Yeah, now, I mean, you can I look at that and say, well, he did win a Super Bowl with Philly, so they both have one Super Bowl victory. I, I wasn't even really – I was kind of disregarding that because it had nothing to do with Jacksonville tenure. But I, I would tend to agree with Kevin here, though, about McVay over Peterson. Now, Doug Peterson's a great coach, and I think that if we were to do this again next year and if they were to replicate the success they had in the back half of last season – over like an entire year, I I think there is a legitimate argument that Doug Peterson is a top ten coach in the league. However, comma, I don't feel comfortable putting him up there yet. Um, I think I'm comfortable leaving Sean McVay in this realm because of the factors that Kevin suggested, where he has the Super Bowl and now the team is in the gutter. That's not his fault. He's done his job. It's just the nature of the business. So, who's everyone's vote here for number nine? I'm saying McVeigh. Alex, would you agree? Yeah, I'll go McVeigh. Zach? I'm, I'm going down with the Peterson ship. <laughs> Jenna, did you say McVeigh? I'll be the tiebreaker, McVeigh. Well, who was yours, Bryce? Uh, Dougie P. Okay, well, wait. If you were going to put... Okay, I'm going to call you out now. If you're going to put Dan Campbell at eight, shouldn't he <laughs> slide down here? I called him out. I called him out. I was bullshit. He had to switch up. Yeah, I had to change it up now. But, yeah, I like Dougie Fresh here at nine. Okay, so we have two for Peterson, three for McVay. I'm not good at math, but um, three is a larger number than two. Well, there it is. McVay number nine. Okay, so now number 10. Now, just to recap here, this is our top nine so far. Andy Reid, Kyle Shanahan, Zach Taylor at three, Nick Sirianni at four, Sean McDermott at five, Mike Tomlin at six, John Harbaugh seven, Pete Carroll eight, Sean McVay nine. Number 10, I had Sean Payton here. I think that pretty much covered all of my coaches. They're just out of order. So I guess technically, oh, no, no, Bill Belichick. Okay, I had Belichick at six. So I'm going to go Bill Belichick here. I think he's still in the top ten. I think based on what he's done in the past, like you, you got to at least respect him and say, okay, he's still a top ten head coach based on what he's done and for the fact that the Patriots are always competitive. Now you can look at that and say, well, maybe if we were ranking – front office executives, Bill Belichick would definitely be towards the bottom. So maybe the way he's built his team has kind of hindered his growth as a head coach. But in terms of actually coaching the players on his team, they're always competitive. So I think based on that and the fact that he has six Super Bowls, he's got to stay in the top 10. I'm, I think at the end of the day, it's going to come down to uh, Bill Belichick and Sean Payton. 
And I can't, in good faith, put Sean Payton above Bill Belichick. I just can't do it. Exactly. Yeah, I'll, 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 go, I'll go with Bill. I, I have a problem with putting Sean Payton in the top 10, actually, let alone the top 15. I agree. Um, because of the fact that this is his first year coaching Denver, and he's hasn't been a coach for more than a year. Um, I also think he's overrated. Um, I, I think we're also leaving out um, another head coach in uh, Matt LaFleur. Hmm. Yeah. I'm not too high on LaFleur just because yeah. he inherited yeah. a great roster. Yeah. He had Aaron Rodgers, and the keys were kind of given to him. And it's yeah. just like, okay, kind of like Ken Dorsey. Like, here's yeah. a Ferrari. Just don't crash it. I have LaFleur at 11. Oh, that's fair. That's fair. I'll um, say. I mean, <laughs> For the record, I didn't have Lafleur in my top sixteen, and it's because of like what Kevin said. He inherited that team, and it was Aaron Rodgers' team. I mean, that that's just my opinion of it. Obviously, if we circle back to this next year, and like Jordan Love takes the Packers to the playoffs and they're successful, then I'll reconsider it. But as it stands right now. I just don't see him being in the top half of the coaches. That's good. So who do we like for 10 then? Are we Bill Belichick here? Billy Boy. Yeah, we can put him there. I will say that uh, I I thought going into this show, my number 10 would have been a curveball, but considering Bryce said him earlier, I put Dan Campbell. What can I say? The team players bought into his intensity and his philosophy. And also, he had a really good 2022. He had a really good 2022. They started with six, but then went 8-2 and two the rest of the way. Spoiled the Packers' playoff hopes. Another reason why I didn't have LeFleur in my top half was because they all they needed to do was win one game. Against to win Jared that Goff. game against Jared Goff and the Lions to get into the playoffs. And they didn't. The Lions I just were the better team that day. The Lions were the better team the second half of the season. <laughs> I can't take him seriously. I just can't. <laughs> <laughs> he won't live down the kneecap comment. No. <laughs> I mean, they, they've built like a team that is just like, they're not designed necessarily to be super successful in the modern NFL. They're just designed to be so annoying to play against. <laughs> That they'll win probably half their games every year, just out of surely like the way the game goes. Uh, I mean, let me fact check this. I had Dan Campbell, I think, at fifteen, so he wasn't completely out of my top sixteen, but top ten is a little much. You say fifteen? Yeah, that's where I had him. I think that's a fair spot for him. Okay, so our, our top 10 is filled out now with Bill Belichick taking the spot here. So number 11, this is a spot where I think I have to go with Sean Payton. And let me make the case for Payton. I know you guys maybe aren't as high on him as I am, but if we're looking at this from a 2023 perspective, I think Sean Payton is going to come out looking great no matter what happens to Denver because if he can resurrect Russell Wilson, he's going to look like a genius. And if he can't, then everyone's going to turn on Russell Wilson even more so and say, well, this guy's trash now. You're going to have to get him a new quarterback. 
So I think no matter what happens with the Broncos this year, Sean Payton is going to look pretty, pretty good. And I think this rides on Russell Wilson. So I'm thinking even though he's been out of the, the league for a year here, I think this is a solid spot to put Sean Payton. I, uh, I'm i going to disagree with that, respectfully. But I will sedate. I'll throw a hat into the ring here, so to speak. Um, for number 11, I'm going to put out Mike McDaniel. Um, I don't like him. I think he's annoying in his press conferences. And he's the Dolphins coach. Uh, but he runs a very similar Shanahan-esque system. And he brought the Bills to the brink in a playoff game with Skylar Thompson at quarterback. That is not nothing. That is some, some serious coaching. They dealt with some pretty bad injuries last year, and they had a pretty good season. It's, you know, it's hard for me to be low on, like, McDaniel as much as I'd like to. Yeah, I'm not there yet. I think he needs to prove himself a little bit more. I agree with what you said, but I just don't think that he is worthy of a top, in this case, 11 ranking. Um, He was in my top. Let me see where I put him. I think 17. No, 19. I had him. So he was top 20 for me. I think after this year, he could rise past the top 15, maybe even top 12. But I'm just not there yet. I'm Mike McDaniel. Wait, did we not put Mike Vrabel down yet? Yeah, Vrabel hasn't been listed yet. I thought it was like eight. We talked about him. No, we went with Pete oh, Carroll. Then it's, then it's Mike Vrabel. What have we been doing here? It's Mike Vrabel. <laughs> yeah, what the hell? Sorry, I thought I, I was under the assumption that he was already listed. Put Vrabel down. Yeah. Um, Open and shut case. Yeah, Mike why Vrabel. haven't we put Vrabel yet? Well, been top ten. According to my I rankings, put, I, put, I did have Peyton ahead of Vrabel, so I will still make the case for Sean Payton, but. I agree with Mike Vrabel as well. I would I would love to go back in time because I would not have voted for Bill Belichick. I would put Vrabel there. <laughs> I mean, I, I just thought he was I mean, Do you want to reopen number 10? I yeah, we can if you want. Yeah. Bill Belichick number 11, so that would work for me. Yeah, yeah let's, 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 put, let's put Billy <laughs> at 11. Billy down at 11, Vrabel at 10. And call it a day. Wait, wait. Who's in favor of that? I am. All of us? <laughs> all three of you are? Yeah. All four of you? All four of us. <laughs> Let's do it. Really? I'm all Ray- for Bill Belichick slander. Yeah. Rabel's <laughs> a descendant of Belichick, though. Like, he came oh, from okay. Belichick. He's, He's much better than Rabel ahead of Belichick. They both, listen, they both have mid teams. They both have mid teams. And the Patriots got what, 47 17, and the Titans went to, they went pretty deep in the playoffs. It. I mean, they Braves. did. Braves. But I just can't put Vrabel ahead of Belichick. But, I mean, yeah. I guess we're going to have to because I'm you, you can, right now. One to four. <laughs> you, you can clickbait the show now, Kevin. Bill Belichick, <laughs> not top ten. <laughs> yeah. The only reason that the Titans won't be in the playoffs is because they're the number one seed. But Hey, he still got them in the number one seed. They still got them in the number one seed with Derrick Henry. So, yeah, you're right. Kevin, if you really wanted a clickbait, you could have had Dan Campbell at eight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Dan, Dan Campbell is the best coach in the NFL? What? <laughs> I want to hear from people in the chat because either way, it looks like Vrabel is landing at number 10. But is this Bill Belichick slander? Do we agree with it? Do you guys like him being outside of the top 10? 
what do people in the chat have to say about this? Because obviously we all know how good Bill Belichick has been. But in terms of 2023, do you think this is a correct spot for him at number 11 outside yes, of the top 10? Like we've been... I'm seeing in the chat that um that some people are saying that Flores, Brian Flores, is better than Sean McDermott. He isn't even a head coach right now, is he? <laughs> <laughs> no, he's a defensive coordinator. That's crazy. Yeah. I I would listen to arguments he did a better job than Mike McDaniel. Yes, yes, I think so too. I was, yeah, I was about to hype up Mike McDaniel too. I was about to say I would probably if I were like to assemble a team right now and the owner came to me and he was like, Look, you've got two options. I'll give you Bill Belichick as your coach or Mike McDaniel. Build your team around one of them. I'm taking Mike McDaniel. I'm sorry. I mean, I guess that is a good point because he is very up to date in terms of the 2023 version of the NFL, where Bill Belichick seems to still be living in the early 2000s. But man, it's just tough to take McDaniel over Bill Belichick or even Rabel for that matter. I mean, I like I say it out loud and I don't believe it, but I think in like, in, in the deep, dark pores of my soul, I would do it. I would take Mike McDaniel over Bill Belichick. Hmm. Sorry. Wait, so we're in on Vrabel at 10, right? Is that one locked in yeah. now? Yeah. yeah, that's been yeah. locked in. Yeah. So for 11, you're saying McDaniel over Belichick. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. I'll, I'll open that to it's, I don't know why it looks so large. This is this is a normal size. Oh, wow. <laughs> I have a big Gatorade this, bottle as well. This was three dollars, and the little ones are like a buck fifty in the vending machine. So I bought this, and it lasts me longer than it's cheap. Nice saving, man. Anyways. All right, Zach. So who do you like at eleven? Well, I I put Bill Belichick because obviously he's still. One of the better coaches in the league, obviously. He completely botched the offensive coordinator position last year. And that's the reason why my main reason why he fell out of my top ten. He's botched a lot of stuff, but that is true. And I won't even get into him Bill Belichick the GM. I'll stay away from that because this is a head coaching ranking. Not as is it worse than Adam Gase uh, as GM? <laughs> it's close. Ooh, ooh. Now that's a discussion for another day. <laughs> See, that, that, that's a hard part too because Bill Belichick, the GM, is hurting Bill Belichick, the head coach. Because if Bill Belichick, the GM, did better at his job, then the other Bill Belichick would do better as a head coach. Well, you know what I, I mean? Bill Belichick, but if I were Bill Belichick, I'd freaking retire. That's what I would do. Why is <laughs> Bill Belichick and fire Billy B as GM? He should hire like an actual general manager. Like, John Sawyer. Yeah. So Robert Kraft is too old. Spending yeah. too much time with the spies. Yeah. And then the Sean are in the spies too much. This is going to be a little comical, but do you think there'd be a universe where Bill Belichick just like retires as coach to focus solely on being a GM? 
For who? Would that be the oh, Tom Coughlin did that. He could pull a Tom Coughlin. Would that be the downfall of Bill Belichick if he did that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just like it was the downfall. Why is he signing Cam Newton again? <laughs> oh god. He's a free agent. <laughs> Wait, look at look at Paul's comment. Look at Paul's comment. He said Mike McDaniel's probably playing Fortnite right now. Playing Fortnite. He's ripping dabs on the sideline during playoff games. He's definitely playing Fortnite. He's like. playing Fortnite with Kyler Murray, his next quarterback. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh. I'm just kidding. All right. So, what's the call here at number eleven? I'm saying Belichick. It's Billy B. Yeah, I, I, my vote would be for Mike McDaniel, and I'll I'll put it on the record as Mike McDaniel, but I respect the Bill Belichick. Decision. I'm going to say Bill Belichick. Stick with the list. Right outside of the top ten. I think that's probably as low as he should go. It's reasonable. All right, so number 12, Sean Payton. Yes. I'm, going, I'm going Mike McDaniel. Payton. I, I say Sean Payton here. Go with Payton. I think I'm just really low on Sean Payton as a football coach right now. I had Payton yeah. at 12 because, again, he was a good coach in New Orleans, but also he <clears> took <throat> a year away from football. So I couldn't put him in the top 10 because he's technically a first-year coach. I mean, I, I think I'm going to stick with him at 12. I'll, I'll concede it. That's fine. I I just I don't I don't see a world in which he goes into Denver this year and does anything. I I think they're cooked. They are. It is it is over for them. I'm sorry. They but I I don't see team. a world where Sean Payton walks out of the 2023 season as a bad guy. Like I think he's going to be loved no matter what. Because again, if they have a bad season, you just blame Russell Wilson. If you have a great season. Sean Payton looks like a hero for being able to pull out Russell Wilson from whatever he was in last year and to yeah, be able to make him a good coach. Team and get him back on track. But either way, he's going to be better than Nate Hackett, which is perfect for Denver fans. Yeah, I mean, if the, if the bar is Nate Hackett, then I I could probably coach that team better than Nate Hackett did last year. <laughs> but, like, but just because he comes out with the perception, no matter what he does this year, because I completely agree with you, because if they do well, then it's going to be – he's going to be the hero. He's going to be, oh, he saved Russell Wilson's career. And is he capable of doing that? I don't think so, but maybe. But if they go out and they have a very similar year next year, it's going to be, wow, we're really stuck with Russell Wilson for uh, three years or whatever. And he's not going to be the bad guy, but that doesn't make him a good coach either. That doesn't mean I would want him to lead my team. You know what I mean? I don't know. But I'll, I'll concede Sean Payton here. Okay, so Sean Payton at number 12. Definitely. Yeah. All right, now number 13. This is actually right in line with my list. I had Doug Peterson here at 13. I had Peterson at 13 too, but I also had Matt LaFleur at 11 and Mike McDaniel at 12. We haven't even even listed LaFleur yet. Could go him here. Yeah. I like him at this spot. 
I, I, I'm, I'm going to circle back to Mike McDaniel. I hate that I keep banging the drum for this guy. But he keeps slipping, and I, I, I wouldn't take him over LeFleur. I wouldn't, or I would take Mike McDaniel over LeFleur. Sorry, I misspoke. But <laughs> I'm opening, I'm opening, I'm opening this up. I'm opening this back up. This, this wound, it, it's not going to work, but. I'm sorry. I saw a comment that Donna made. She said, Mike McDaniel looks like he drinks warm less food. <laughs> Uh, who did we have at number nine again? I'm just trying to remember. Um, I'm just going to run through the whole list just yeah, because it's been a while. All right. Number one, Andy Reid. Number two, Kyle Shanahan. Number three, Zach Taylor. Number four, Nick Sirianni. Number five, Sean McDermott. Number six, Mike Tomlin. Number seven, John Harbaugh. Number eight, Pete Carroll. Number nine, Sean McVay. Number 10, Mike Vrabel. 11, Bill Belichick. And 12, Sean Payton. Okay, because I know in my initial ranking, I had Doug Peterson 9, and I actually had Sean McVay 13. So I'm just going to go ahead and say Doug Peterson for 13. I think Peterson's the most well-rounded here because it's, what have you done for me lately? You resurrected that franchise and Trevor Lawrence, and you pulled off that insane comeback against the Chargers. And like you said, they're very competitive against Kansas City. And he also has a Super Bowl on his resume from his Philadelphia days. So I'm going Doug Peterson here. Yeah, the fact that uh, Dougie P hasn't been on the list yet is just insanity. I guess we'll go Doug Peterson here. <laughs> Fine. Make it fresh. Yeah. All right, so Doug Peterson at 13 it is. So three spots left, and there are what? I can't do my math that quick. How many How many candidates left? <laughs> oh, a couple. A few. Brian Dable. Probably like no. three. Well, I'm saying no. realistically, 32 minus 13 is what? 19? 17. Yeah, 19. Oh, my God. I was thinking, <laughs> I was thinking 13 17 is 30. Yeah. Jenna, that was very close. That was very <laughs> close. <laughs> so we have a lot of options left, but realistically, there's probably only a few here. Um... Can we do Leslie Frazier? Is he a coach yet? Does <laughs> <laughs> the internship count? Brian Dable. Mike McDaniel. <laughs> McDaniel I, I, I would go Brian Dable. I had Matt LaFleur here, so I'm going to stick with LaFleur. All right. I got two options here because we didn't go Dan Campbell at number 10, so he's still available for me, but I did rank Brian Dable at 14. I'm so going to go Brian Dable. I did I have Dable. I had Dable at fourteen, but I also have three people that went in front of Dable that are still just hanging out on the board. Who are so those three? I... McDaniel. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, Mike McDaniel, Matt Mike LeFleur. McDaniel, and uh, McDaniel's alter ego. He doesn't, he doesn't have one. Uh, Matt Lafleur, Mike McDaniel. Oh, I only have two. Sorry, I was looking at Doug Peterson, but we just put him. So Brian Dable would be the third for that. I'm gonna go the floor. I'm I'm chilling with the floor, I guess. Although my real vote would be Mike McDaniel, but it's not gonna win. Table. 
the, the anti-Dolphins yeah. agenda is too strong in this room. And I'm the only one afraid to be honest here. It's fine. I, I mean, I think Dable's top 20, but I can't put him this high yet just because we had a small sample size from last year. Well, he was named of the year. How can you target sample size? Freaking Sean Payton hasn't coached in a year. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the last time he was coaching, he was coaching a terrible New Orleans Saints team. I mean, that's true. But at the same time, yeah, you're right. <laughs> Mike really hates uh, Sean McDermott. McDermott. Are you guys serious? McDermott at five with Sean Payton at 12 and Doug Peterson at 13. Both of them won Super Bowls while McDermott has won exactly nothing. Well, Mike, at the beginning of this, I had McDermott at 11 and James just said the same thing. He's around 12 or 13. So I had him at 11 because... Yeah, right now, the Bills are Super Bowl favorites again. Maybe not favorites, but they're contenders. So he's definitely around that area. But the overall body of work, recency bias, everything combined, I couldn't put him as high as five, but I was outnumbered. So he's at five. I love McDermott. I mean, I'm glad that he's on our list that high. But at the same time, personally, I I didn't agree with it. I think everybody just has a bitter taste in their mouth from the Bengals game. And that is overshadowing some some reality here. And yeah. I mean, it is what it is. Reality is insanity, Alex. <laughs> we don't work like that around here. <laughs> That's not our I mean, style. Listen, am I crazy to say that Josh Allen with a non porn throwing arm? And maybe if we had all four all pros on our defense that game, that it would have been a different outcome. Maybe. I mean, is that all Sean McDermott's fault? I don't know. You know, but let's move on because that's a completely different conversation. <laughs> We're not going to go down that rabbit hole. I was going to say, this could be too big of a rabbit hole, but it yeah. would be very interesting <laughs> if you were to switch McDermott and Bill Belichick. Like, give Belichick Josh Allen. It Does he rise to number one again? Yes, at least top two. And if McDermott has Mac Jones, does he slip outside of the top 10 according to these rankings? Maybe top 15 even? At the same time, I think think it's important that a coach has the ability to step back and say, I don't know shit about offense. I'm going to let Josh Allen handle that instead of trying to, like, micromanage something that he's not fond of because – or that he's not familiar with or not as good with. And I think that when you get to a point of being an NFL head coach, all of them have an ego to a certain point because you have to, to be to that level. And I think that there's certain cases throughout the league where people like an Urban Meyer, his ego was like through the roof. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so it's not for nothing that he just steps back and says, Josh, like, go cook, like, do your thing. Like, I'm not going to try and manage you that because it, it takes – some real like self-control to not try and micromanage every little thing on the field, especially if it's not something you're super strong suited for. All right. Well, getting back to the list here. So we, we didn't come up with 14, right? We're still on 14. Yeah. Yeah. And this is where like 
three hours since we mentioned it. Who? <laughs> Who are our options at 14? It's been like three hours since we said any. Mike names. McDaniel. <laughs> Mike McDaniel. You guys, you guys mentioned Brian Dable. Um, Mike McDaniel. I was saying Matt LaFleur. Dan Campbell, I guess. I mean, if you had him at eight, do you want to put Campbell here? I would love to put Campbell at eight, but I know I'm not going to get it. So I'm. let's just go with Dave's. No. I'm going Dable here. Dable. All right. Ryan Dable at 14. <laughs> um, okay, 15. Two spots left. I- I'm saying Matt LaFleur and Dan Campbell are my last two here. Oh, God. Dan Campbell <laughs> or Mike McDaniel? What are we doing here? Yeah. <laughs> Right. I think I think Detroit's gonna be really good this year. Like he's got them in a great position, and you could say that about McDaniel, I guess too. I mean, w- would we rather have McDaniel and Dan Campbell instead of Matt Lafleur? Like, because with Jordan Love, does that bump Lafleur down? Do you think he'll not I'm be able to? I'm, I will. If our final two here is fifteen, Mike McDaniel and sixteen, Dan Campbell, I'll be okay with that. But I think Campbell at fifteen. Okay, whatever. If you, if you want to, if you want to get that in on me, having Dan Campbell over Mike McDaniel as as a joke, that's fine. But um, if we're being reasonable here, I think that Mike McDaniel is a better world's better coach. I, I think like he lost his quarterback one to like twenty concussions this year. Like they I went like, one and five in that in that stretch though. They absolutely did. They absolutely did. When they've met um, real good teams. Yeah. But I think that he has done a good job at setting them up for success. I think that they are due to have a better season this year than they did last year. I, I think that Tua will... Uh... <laughs> Sorry, not, not to interrupt you. That, that was perfect. Put up James's comment. Saying that Kevin is the voice of reason. The rest of your clowns are delusional. <laughs> you guys are my clowns. <laughs> Guess we're uh-huh. kind of not overreacting to a playoff game. Yeah. Yep, that tracks. All right, so 15, Brian Flores. 16 is uh, Leslie Frazier. Yeah. Wrap it up. Um, okay, right, for real, you... Dan Campbell at 15? <laughs> no. Have we ranked Doug Peterson Yeah, Peterson. What did you say, Jonathan? We ranked Doug Peterson already. Yeah, he was at 13. Yeah. Okay. And then Dable, 14. So, it's Alex, I mean, I, I would take LaFleur out and substitute McDaniel in. Now it's just okay. a matter of do we want Campbell or McDaniel? This is like when there's, like, a consensus top prospect in the draft that's, like, going to be really good. And then teams <laughs> just start letting him slip for absolutely no reason. Like, the, the gas mask thing. Like, this is – did Mike McDaniels, like, have a scandal that I didn't know about and you guys are just uncomfortable putting him on the list? <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm listen. If we put Campbell at 15, I'm fine with that as long as there's a caveat where Mike McDaniel is missing. Zach and Bryce, what do you think? Campbell all day. 
<laughs> Campbell has slid far enough. Slid. <laughs> I think right. this is Campbell. It is extremely, McDaniel. Extremely generous to Dan Campbell. It's sixteen. <laughs> okay. okay. Well, there it is. There Mike it is. McDaniel rounds this off at number sixteen. The top <laughs> half of the coaches. Now, some of the guys that we didn't mention here: Frank Reich, Mike McCarthy. Kevin O'Connell, Robert Sala, Kevin Stefanski. Um, the floor, we did mention him. But after that, I mean, after that top half, really after that top 20, there's a big dip. There's a big separation in those tiers. I'd agree. Most most okay. of it's just unknown. There's a few first few yeah. coaches. No one knows how they're going to do. It's all guessing. Um, but... Yeah, I mean, I would probably have LeFleur around 17. Um, there's, there's a decent crop of, like, 20 sure thing decent coaches, and then the rest are kind of a mismatch of, like, if you get a good, a good fit. Sometimes. Yeah. But I also, I think something that I want to make note of, there's a lot of coaches that are – that could in any given year rank between like eight and 16 who are more than capable of winning Super Bowls. So you don't need to be the top coach in the league or have the top coach in the league to win a Super Bowl. So that's what's fun about about this. Because you know what? Dan Campbell's going to go on and win the friggin' Super Bowl this year just to <laughs> justify your guys' success, I guess. Now, we don't have to necessarily round out the top 20, but just out of curiosity, where would you guys put Mike McCarthy and Frank Reich? Because I had them 16 and 17. And then with LaFleur in there, too. So if we're finishing this off, I would probably go LaFleur 17, Frank Reich 18, McCarthy 19. McCarthy's 20 at best. Yeah, I'm really low on Mike McCarthy. Okay. Yeah, me too. Scoot him. Yeah. I don't want. I'd rather. I'll just. Uh, I'll just <laughs> chime in here, because, so we we put Mike McDaniel at sixteen, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Because he, I had him at seventeen, and I had Kevin O'Connell at sixteen, but I think we're forgetting. Those, we're I'd forgetting put. about Kevin Stefanski too. Kevin Stefanski's. I, I don't like him, especially <laughs> with especially with the Deshaun thing. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. But he's still a good football coach at the end of the day. He's only had one good season, though. Yeah, but that's yeah. more that we can say for, like, Dan Campbell. He had a better year than Dan Campbell ever had. <laughs> or Dan Mike McDaniel. started with the yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mike McDaniel had the same record as Brian Flores. He just took a different route to get there. <laughs> <laughs> um, All right, well, let me let – me, recap our list here because we don't have a graphic for it so i'm, I'm just gonna read it so number one andy reed number two kyle shanahan number three zach taylor number four nick sirianni number five sean mcdermott number six mike tomlin seven john harbaugh eight pete carroll nine sean mcveigh ten mike vrabel eleven bill belichick twelve sean payton 13, Doug Peterson, 14, Brian Dable, 15, I almost said Jack Campbell, but um, 
my God, why am I blanking on his Dan Campbell? And then Mike McDaniel at 16. Paul, I don't think vaping on the sideline um, should be a reason he's not 16. I think that could bump him up. I, I respect that. Honestly. Let him get his, let him get his wrist ring on the sideline. <laughs> I forgot he did that. That was against us, wasn't it? Yeah, Jenna, it was. You said it was. Game, I think. Yeah. Jenna, you said uh, Sirianni is a frat boy, right? Yeah. But How would you describe like McDaniel? Mike. McDaniel, frat boy. <laughs> like the nerdy frat boy. Yeah. The nerdy frat boy that thinks he's cool because he's associated with the football team. Yeah. He like takes <laughs> photos of the photo of the football team. And he's like, I'm one of the boys. They're like, no, you're not, Mike. <laughs> what do you think of McDaniel? I think of that video of um him in practice before the playoff game when he was like strutting around looking over his players with the in the wish I was wish it was colder shirt. Mm-hmm. So, I can't stand him. Yeah. I can't stand him either though. I think he's a good coach. Every video I see of him, I just, like, cringe. (laughs) All right. Well, as we wrap up here, Alex, I know you jumped on a little bit later. So do you have anything to say about the first half of the show in regards to the Bandits winning the NLL finals or the Bills re-signing Ed Oliver? Do you have any thoughts on either of those before we sign off? I'll touch on a few. I did not get to catch the first half of the show. I was busy doing stuff. Uh, But so the Bandits won. That's awesome. First ever championship in my life mm-hmm. for any Buffalo team. Hopefully there's more to come. How old are That's you? My... <laughs> nice, nice try, FBI. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not opening up here. Um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> Ed Oliver, I, I love Ed. Uh, I've been critical of him, um, and I still am. I, th- I think he needs to really step into this contract now. But what this remind or what this reeks of is a little bit of regret maybe on the part of Brandon Mean for not doing a similar extension to Tremaine Edmonds earlier on. Uh, because I think that there is still chance that Ed Oliver takes another step, especially with the addition of Kuna Ford and Daquan Jones is going to be back. There's not going to be a need for Oliver to ever step over into the one tech now, barring injury. So if he stays where he produces well for an entire season, he should improve and I think that there was a real risk that he would price himself out of Buffalo and they got him locked up at a reasonable rate. They're paying him a decent amount, but it kind of reminds me of the Dawson Knox contract where you're paying a good player market value to stay here for four more years. I'm not and we probably I, I want to see the exact details of the contract. I don't know if those have come out yet, but I feel like we've definitely freed up money this year. Um which is always a good thing to do. So uh, I like the player. I hope he continues to improve. Um, but yeah, I, I've there's a lot more pressing issues. Um, okay, you didn't have one for sixteen million dollars. I mean, listen, listen, Anthony, I'll sign you to a one-year deal. Go out there, play the three tech, see what happens. <laughs> um, no, I think I think he was inconsistent at best last year, but when he was playing well, he played really well. So I, we need to see more of that. I think going off of Anthony's comment here, I don't think that Ed Oliver is worth $68 million right now, but if he can go out on his fifth year contract this year and prove himself, then he might turn into that where he is worth yeah. being paid, being paid the, the, as the 11th highest paid defensive tackle. So I yeah. think this is 
I don't want to say make or break year for Ed Oliver because he's under contract now, but this is a huge year because if he goes out and has a dud of a season, we're going to be going into 2024 saying, did we really have to sign him to a $68 million deal just for him to put up two sacks again? Well, so what I think is interesting is I saw, I think it was Zach that mentioned it on Twitter a couple of days ago that he thinks that there's probably going to be some out structured early on into the deal. And I would probably tend to agree with that. Um, but that again, it, it just goes back to the whole, I want to see the actual structure of the contract because when, is that a cat? I love yeah. cat. Okay. Um, what's your cat? What's his name? Josh. Oh, after Josh Rosen? <laughs> um, sorry. Uh, but like, so when the reports come out and it's like, oh, he signed a contract worth up to $68 million, that's the agent trying to strut that he got as much money as possible out in one tweet. I don't know if it's actually going to be worth $68 million. We don't know until the details come out. But it's very possible that there's outs all over this contract because he is not somebody that has proven himself to be worth up to that point, that amount to this point. But he is also has the capability of becoming a player that is worth well in that range. Um, and if he is, then we have him signed up and it's not something to worry about. But if he doesn't improve, they'll probably still let him go. It's just the nature of the thing. All right, well, as we wrap up here, if you guys any have any final comments, please put them in the chat to uh, let us know what we did right, what we did wrong. Do you agree with our rankings tonight? Do you disagree? I've been seeing some McDermott takes, so you got a couple more minutes until we officially end the broadcast here to let us know how we did. Um, but again, if you missed any part of the show, you can go back and watch the playback. I opened up by talking about the Bandits winning the championship and what it felt like and what it could potentially feel like once the Bills and Sabres finally win one. Then Zach came on. We talked about the Ed Oliver extension. And then Bryce, Jenna, and Alex came on, and we ranked the top 16 head coaches. So while we're waiting for some more comments here, what do we have coming up this week, Zach? Well, I know uh, our guy Yaston's going to have his Buffalo Bulletin coming out midweek. Um, I believe you said you're going to start your uh, – your 2023 rank, positional rankings, right, Kev? Yeah. I mean, do we think that I should write an article based on the coaches, or do you think this is sufficient enough? Because my list was not what we came up with tonight. So, I mean, there could be some discrepancies, which could be, you know, interesting for people that didn't catch the show tonight. Or do you think we should just jump right into – I mean, honestly, we should probably just jump right into positional rankings because that way we can talk about them on the show next week. Yeah, probably make more sense. Leave that up to you. <laughs> I, I mean, I think the opinion of the masses is always what matters in everything. Right, yeah, it does. Um, and you like know, having a different opinion is not good. You shouldn't do it. I say that again. I said having a having a different opinion is not good. You shouldn't do it. Like the opinion of the masses is always right. So oh. don't write your article. <laughs> and the um the masses, aka Roger Murtaugh. Thinks that our list was butt cheeks. Thank you, Roger. Thank you, Roger. Roger that. Roger, you're gonna. My therapist is gonna hear about you. <laughs> Putting him in your suicide note. No, I'm not making a note. 
<laughs> See, now Belichick would definitely be in the top two if we were Ranking totally looking at their we history all, five, all the way yeah. back to like 1999. Yeah, but, I saw. I also saw a comment in there saying that you guys must have started watching football in 2021. Are we going to be ranking off like the 1970 season? Like, what, right. what are we doing here? Like, yeah, the last three years. Are the, most, <laughs> the last three years are kind of the most important to who I would want coaching my team right now. Yeah, that's, that's kind of how it works. Sorry. Let's get Vince Lombardi out of retirement. Put him at number sure. one. Yeah, that's, that's actually good. a really good idea. Rick. Um, I, I mean, it might, off the list. might snake Oh, I want to make Daniels higher, buddy. I, I'm sorry. I tried. <laughs> I tried getting him higher. But Who doesn't want him? Paul doesn't want him higher, though. I know, but I, for Paul's sake, I wish he was higher. I wish he was higher. <laughs> Anyways, getting back to what we have on tap this week on buffalofanatics.com. Bryce is going to have his usual articles. Um, I don't know if Jenna has anything cooking up for this week, but she did write a couple of articles last week introducing everyone to the Bills rookie class. should definitely check those out on the the buffalofanatics.com. The... The Ohio State University. (laughs) (laughs) Except in this case, it's warranted. (laughs) Kevin, I just want to say that I think that you have a lifelong fan in James. Oh, James is my man. He's always a part of our show. Mm -hmm. We think alike. (laughs) Do you think that we're clowns, though? No, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that me and (laughs) we we think alike in terms of football terms. Oh. I remember this, Kevin. Those are his words, not mine. I didn't say that. <laughs> Jenna was the one that made me put it on the screen. You thought it, though. You thought it, though, Kevin. <laughs> yeah, I actually intercepted his telegraph and said, you're right, they are clowns. Why don't remember, you put that in the chat? Remember that, uh, remember that press I think conference, the, the press conference oh. that Boyer and Hyde did against, after the Monday night game against New England? And Micah Hyde looked at the guy and was like, I don't remember that. That's what I'm thinking right now. I <laughs> I'm thinking when Josh Allen got that one question, he was just like, okay. 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 Exactly. We'll see. I shouldn't go down this rabbit hole right now, but Mike brings up Eric Washington. I should have mentioned that when we were talking about it, Zach, because that's the other factor of this. He has not been able to really develop defensive linemen that well. So this comes down to Eric Washington. Can he develop at Oliver to the point where he is actually warranted to get paid top-notch money? But that's conversation for a different day. We don't need to go into that right now. You know what I think is going to happen? I think every person on defense that played bad last year is going to play really good this year, and then people are going to like want Leslie Frazier like arrested for war crimes. Yeah. So that's probably what's going to end up happening. I think they already want Frazier arrested for war crimes. They want him. They want that for the last two years now. Roger oh. and Roger, anti-woman talks not funny, buddy. Not yeah, cool, I'm buddy. in here. Yeah, get that out. That's, that's crazy. Not cool, Roger. It's 2023. Come on, Roger. I'm. I'm, I'm going to go on the record and say that that's a dumb comment, and you shouldn't say that. That's not yeah. cool. I hurt my feelings, by the way. I hurt my feelings. All right, well, let's end on a positive note. 
So, yeah, I think we covered what's coming up on Buffalo Fanatics. We'll be back with the show next week. Actually, speaking of positive, my internet did good tonight, didn't it? Yeah. Sounded like you're gonna segue into like you tested positive for something. You know, positive. <laughs> the test came back. <laughs> so that was definitely on the bright side. So maybe we can end with that before it does potentially buffer. Yep. And I did see that Miami won, right, Bryce? Yeah, Miami won. I oh, they did? lost it during the podcast. Yeah. Hell yeah. So that series is evened up. One to one. Yeah, baby. Just need Vegas to lose in hockey, huh? Yes, we cannot have Eichel win one. I want Samson to win one. Really? (laughs) Okay. 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 (laughs) Thank you, Donna. She says great show. At least someone that as well. Enjoyed the list. Well, we're going to have a lot more lists coming up because that will be the content for the summer because we're going to rank all these positions, starting with my articles, and then we will turn it into the broadcast version on the BF Writers Club. And then we'll save some time to talk about other topics, of course, because we're not just going to rank players for the next 10 weeks here. But, um, yeah, that's a look ahead. And once again, you've been watching the BF Writers Club right here on Buffalo Fanatics with Kevin Syracuse, Zach Vaughn, Bryce Martino, Jenna Carlson, and her cat, and Alex Spencer. So with that, thanks again for tuning in. We will see you same time and place. Don't forget our new summer hours, nine o'clock, because you know, the sun's still out. We're still approaching the climax of the the longest day of the year on June 21st. So go soak up that sunshine. And then once it starts to set, then you can come in and watch the BF writers club. So with that, we're out. Have a good evening. Good week. Go Bills. Go Bills. Bills. Approaching the climax here. (laughs) 